attractions to the same sex, unprocessed childhood trauma, porn addiction. Our marriage seemed doomed. If marriage is primarily about attraction, it was. If marriage is a gospel picture, it absolutely wasn't. An impossible marriage, what our mixed orientation marriage has taught us about love in the gospel, a book endorsed by Matt and Lauren Chandler, Ann Voskamp, Gabe Lyons, and Marvin Williams is now available. Find it at impossiblemarriage.com. Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 146, Finding Quiet. Hello, welcome. I am your host, Lori Krieg, and I am sadly not with my favorite licensed therapist, Matt Krieg, because we are recording at a different time of day, and he has a job outside of this one. He's got to go see those clients, so he's not with us, but we do, of course, have the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi, guys. Steve, welcome. So glad to see you. And hey, guys, before we get rolling here, I did just want to let you know, do you know that you can watch this on the YouTubes and on the video, on the Vimeo? If you look for me, Lori Krieg, L-A-U-R-I-E-K-R-I-E-G, you can watch this. You can see me in my straight out of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air shirt. (laughs) It's actually from Stranger Things. I actually think it has a Stranger Things logo. But you can also meet our new friend. You can see her beautiful face, our new friend of the podcast jamie grace jamie welcome hi i love your shirt by the way i I also have on a very busy shirt so i'm all about it yeah (laughs) you gotta do it for these interviews i mean you gotta mix it up all right Uh, oh man guys if you do not know jamie you gotta get to know her so first of all just go to the old instagrams and give her a little follow okay and then here's something more about her she's a two-time grammy nominated singer songwriter speaker and actress. She's got like a bajillion, but technically millions of streams on Spotify and hundreds of thousands of followers all over the socials. Again, she's a good follow on the old Instagram. And wherever God has called her, her focus is on reminding people that they are a daughter of the King. And she loves to share the light and love of Christ with everyone. Jamie is the author of the new book, Finding Quiet, My Journey to Peace in an Ancient World, which we're gonna be talking about today. Oh man, I need I need some of that. Need some of what you're talking about. <laughs> Finding that quiet and I am so excited to dive in, but let's like take a little slow piece into it as we talk about what we like to drink. As far as a hot drink, Um, you guys, we hit you up. You guys find me on the socials, on the Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I mostly just go on Facebook and Instagram, not going to lie. Twitter is a little scary to me. But you guys, if you find me there, you can answer this question of the week from last week, which is, what's your favorite hot beverage right now? You guys are interesting. You have like very high taste, those of you who are listening. And I was like, I just basically like coffee. But Jamie... How about you? Are you the P- are you a PSL girl? Where, where are you at? You know, I am. I, yeah, I I go to Starbucks or any coffee shop and I get a steamed milk. No flavor, what? no whipped cream, just microwave milk. <laughs> no coffee? And no, I, I don't like coffee. I don't like tea. I don't like pumpkin, anything. I just want milk. It's all wow. like I drink my daughter's milk all the time. Like she drinks like, you know, uh, like cow's milk now yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'll literally go and just be like hey are you gonna finish that because it's, it's so good it's so good <laughs> especially I don't like the I don't know if you're like the organic like real whole 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 milk uh milk I mean it's really good all right but Steve Odell do you like any flavoring any coffee any what like the well what's your deal for myself yeah 
I might be the most boring hot drink drinker because black coffee. Yeah. That's it. Okay, but in between, I don't add stuff I guess to warm it. milk and coffee. I guess, yeah. I guess the coffee is kind of more boring. <laughs> it is. I feel like you're just saying that because I'm the guest, but we can we can embrace <laughs> no. that. You're more boring. <laughs> you're like, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> like it's fine, guys. I know. Like, like every time I get it, they're like, like they always ask, like, oh, is it for like a kid? Because they want to know, like, not to make it too hot. And I'm like, no, it's for me. I'm a grown woman, and I love drinking milk. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. For me, I just like, I, I never really started drinking coffee for the taste. It was, I, I needed something to wake me up and I just got used to drinking it straight with no additives. Uh, I do like though, uh, what L Walton said in Instagram, Egyptian licorice mint tea, because what? that sounds super exotic. Yeah. I told you everyone's cool who listens <laughs> yeah. to this podcast. Right. Way so cooler than we the are. Opposite of me. Um, and, but I would have to give that a try. <laughs> Ah, man, I appreciated this from Mandy on Facebook. My favorite hot drink right now is a pumpkin spice latte, but not a pumpkin spice latte. The Enneagram 4 in me just hates to conform, but I just got to have the pumpkin spice. And so going into Starbucks and ordering an actual PSL might just kill me and strip away all of my individuality. And so instead, I'm good with the convenience store pumpkin spice coffee and bonus if they have pumpkin spice creamer to go with it. So I definitely I was talking to my friend Kat, who has been on this podcast the other day, and she was telling me she likes the PSL. And I was like, I don't even know if it's good because my Enneagram four inside of me is like, ugh everyone else likes it. I can't. And right. I was like, cat, I'm so obnoxious. It's, it's so annoying. Also, we were having this whole conversation during church. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> well, the sermon is happening. Well, churches are serving coffee now, so it's relevant. Yeah, it's totally. I mean, right, right, right. Whatevs. Okay, man, Jamie, let's dive into the heart of the matter is what we call it. Yeah. The good juicy center part. Now this question, this set of questions is what we've asked every guest for the last hundred and whatever episodes 145 episodes and this is the question if the gospel is i am more loved than i imagine and yet more sinful than i believe a little wink wink at tim keller uh when was the gospel first good news for you and how is it still Mm. Um, I was, <laughs> I was like the pastor's kid in me was so prepared for that to be like a theological test. And so I was like, okay, let me make sure I get this right. And then I was like, oh, it's like a personal question. Okay. <laughs> I was like, let me text my dad really quick. Um, man. Okay. So when was it first good news for me? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was young because I'm a, I'm a pastor's kid and it was just always presented in such a joyful way. Um, you know, the, the truth of Jesus. And, um, so I was just always so just always pretty excited about it. But, um, I, I decided that I wanted to, you know, be a follower of Christ when I was seven. So I'd say seven years old is when I was like, yeah, I want this for myself. This is like super cool. So mm. when did it like really wake up for you? Cause like there's, and, and maybe it's just been since you were seven, but like, when did the good news, the gospel, like, okay, I need Jesus. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like it, it's been, a lot since then, you know, um, my sister Morgan and I, we were, uh, raised by, um, we were raised by our, our mom and dad, our biological parents. Um, but they were, they were foster parents. And so we had a lot of different kids coming in and out of the home. Uh, they're also 
know, pastors. And so we had a lot of different families coming in and out of the home. So from a very young age, I was just very aware of adversity and, and different struggles that people faced. Mm. Um, but just able to see like this, the joy that we would all have when we had like worship music on cleaning up on a Saturday morning, just, you know, I, yeah, I just, I, I was pretty young when I was just processing like how real it was to have a relationship with Jesus because I saw the, just what happened when not so much what happened when you did it, but I just saw like a lot of stuff that people faced that was just really unfair. Just things like that kids shouldn't have to go through that. You know, um, I had a lot of compassion for people that were dealing with things like addiction and uh, it was just really heartbreaking. And so just getting to still be surrounded by so much love and joy, um, you know, through the Lord and a relationship with him. I was just like, yeah, like this, I don't really know what other option I have. Cause this just sounds, this just seems so practical. Like it just makes so much sense. Mm. How do you need Jesus today? Um, I mean, in the actual, well, yeah, the actual literal today and yeah. just present and, you know, and as, as like literal today, Monday, and then also the present season of my life, I think it's just, just continuing to see his presence in community um, and just the importance of that. You know, we've been quarantining since like April or May or mm. whenever that was, you know, 1995. I don't really remember at this point. <laughs> um, and we kind of chose to do like a quarantine, like pod, if you will. So it's like my parents and my sister and her husband um, and their son. And so, but still, even with that, like, it's like, you still have to like, just take more intentionality with going to see people or FaceTiming people in this season. And so that's just something that's just so important to, to me that I can very easily not do. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm like, Oh, well I gotta be stuck in my house cause I'm quarantining or whatever. And so I'm um, just like always at home and then I get stressed out and I'm like, well, no, like God has placed my parents in my life for a reason. So when is the last time I just like took intentional time to go spend with them? Um, Cause that's a lot of time. Like when I just, I feel, you know, God's presence and I want to make it super clear that like, it's not necessary to have other humans to feel the presence of God. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, It's just really cool how he uses other people. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, so that's one thing that it's just, in the season of quarantine, I've had to be very intentional about my community and my village and my people because I have them for a reason and I got to not use them. But Yeah, you know, util- utilize, totally. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So that's beautiful. Um, all right, you wrote this book. Did it just come out this week? Yeah, it just came out uh, six days ago, Tuesday. Okay, Finding Quiet, My Journey to Peace in an Anxious World. Why this topic? Yeah. Um, you know, it was actually originally a journal. Um, I was just, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety. I was dealing with a lot of stuff, uh, Mm -hmm. as most humans do. And then I think most millennials do, but especially, uh, I have an anxiety diagnosis. Um, I also have OCD, ADHD and Tourette syndrome, uh, which is a tick disorder. And, um, so I've always dealt with anxiousness. I've always dealt with you know, again, like just being a human of like overthinking and overanalyzing, but also having this diagnosis and overthinking and overanalyzing to the point that it's like debilitating to my everyday. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just something that I've dealt with since I was a kid. And I've always had a safe place to not 
go off the edge, if you will. And that safe place has always been my home and my family. Um, I was on medication for a little while and that was helpful as well. Different therapies, those things were helpful. So I always had some kind of a, some kind of a resource, some kind of a place to go (laughs) when things were too hard. And then when I became an adult, you know, it's like you move out, you move away from your parents and stuff. Um, and then on top of that, for me, I became like a teen star with my music. And so I just kind of became like very physically distant from my parents and from my family and from my, you know, the therapies that I once had. And I, you know, I came off of medication when I went to college because I wanted to see if I could you know, try to manage it in different ways. And so um, it was just a lot of change. And I just continued to deal with that on and off, just that change of like, okay, how do I, how do I find my quiet? How do I find my safe space when everything is so, so loud around me? So mm-hmm. um, it was a couple of years ago, I started journaling about it and I shared it with my older sister and she was like, like, this isn't a, a a journal like this is chapter one um mm. and of course in very you know just like to the t little sister fashion i was like you don't know what you're talking about that's dumb i don't want i'm not your friend anymore like i was just being you know silly and dramatic i was just like whatever but i'm really glad i listened to her i'm glad she kind of pushed me on it because um you know it's crazy when, when we think when we're going through something we can often think like nobody's gonna understand me I'm so alone I'm so different or whatever and then you start talking about it with your friends and you're like whoa we're all facing this challenge we're all facing this and so um yeah it, that's it just it it really like I'm, I'm honored that people you know kind of consider it like a self-help book and stuff and if it helps people like that's amazing um but it really is a journey like this really it really is something that I I just shared my story as I was writing it. Mm. So I'm sure um, there's not a single person listening who can't relate at some level to a feeling of anxiety, you know, like especially right now, the statistics are astronomical, but people can't relate to having like being a child star, you know, which I think that's like almost everyone's dream at this point, like young millennial <laughs> and younger is like, I need, I need to be a star. And right. so help us understand, like you had this anxiety, but then like, how are you similar to everybody else in your processing anxiety? But then also what's dissimilar and maybe uniquely painful or, or make it easier in, in with your life? Right, right. I mean, I think a lot of the, you know, desire to, as you were saying, like to be a star, you know, it comes from the desire, like of wanting to be known and just wanting to be loved and wanting to be seen. Um, And uh, for me, it was, it it wasn't, that wasn't directly it. It was was just more of like, I remember just discovering just the joy of the Lord and just falling in love with it again, uh, as I was, you know, getting older and having battled through a lot of my health issues Um, And I I wanted to share it. And I think that's another part of it as well. You know, that desire to kind of get out there or whatnot. It's like, well, I want to share my story. I want to talk. I want to tell. Um, And then I think that anxiety can come in because 
our concept as a culture, our concept of success is so misconstrued. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, if you want to share your story, you got to try to get 5 million Instagram followers or a hundred thousand YouTubers so that you can get the gold plaque. But once you get that gold plaque, then you want the next plaque, which is a million followers or subscribers. And that's the only way that you can share your story and that kind of thing. And I'm, um, yeah, and I think a lot of millennials and Gen Z, I think we all kind of go through that of, you know, it's I want to share my story or I want to be known or I want to be loved or I want to get this message out there. And then you start getting likes and you start getting followers and it's like, well, is it enough if it's not a hundred likes? Is it enough if it's not a thousand likes? If it's not a million likes, you know, mm. and then it just gets more and more and then that anxiety starts kicking in and that starts mm. to feel like pressure and then you start holding yourself to these irrational expectations. And um, I think that happens in all seasons of life, to be honest, you know, I was sharing with someone, it's like, if, and I I didn't really like learn this until I got married and I was a little salty about it. Uh, I've been married for uh, two and a half years. And if you're like in a, like in a room or like in a group with like other married women and (laughs) you're like, Oh, what does your husband do for a living? And someone's like, Oh, he works in construction. It's like, Oh, cool. And then it's like, what does your husband do for a living? Oh, he's a lawyer. Oh, cool. You know, it's just a different shift. It's a different tone. It's like, oh, if someone's husband makes more money or they drive, you know, a BMW and not a minivan, like, or if they have a minivan, but theirs doesn't have the automatic doors, you still got to like use all your biceps to close the door. Like whatever it is, it's like we hold, we kind of have this misconstrued concept of like what success is. And we just we become so anxious as a culture and as a society and as a generation that we can't find peace until we get the most or the biggest or the highest. And practically we'll never get the most or the biggest or the highest, like, unless like, unless you're Serena Williams, like you're just not going to be the best athlete, but even Serena Williams is not perfect Mm -hmm. in every way, you know? So it's just, it's irrational. And that's one of the main reasons why I, I try to intentionally find quiet in my everyday and also in my goals as a mom and my goals as a businesswoman and my goals as an artist and my goals as a wife, as a daughter. Um, because if I'm constantly trying to pursue the best or the most or the biggest or to be loved by all, to be known by all, to have my story shared with all, I will be completely depleted (laughs) by the time five minutes from now passes because it's like, you'll fall apart. You will fall apart and you won't be happy. You'll like, as Hamilton says, you'll never be satisfied. (laughs) It's just, (laughs) it's simply, it's simply not worth it to pursue noise and volume, you know, and the word of God says it best. Like what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but lose his soul. And that scripture resonates with me very often mm-hmm. on every, on every scale, like on, literally on every scale of things. It's like, like, what does it profit a man to gain? The, like when it comes to, if I'm offered an ad sponsorship for my podcast <laughs> that I don't, I'm not really passionate about, but it's a nice check. <laughs> like I have to ask myself, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world to lose his soul? And then on the other end of that, it's like, I mean, women, we face this all the time, especially women in relationships when you're in the store and maybe the guy like, you know, work in the cash register or whatever is flirting with you. And, you know, you could get a discount if you flirt back. But I'm like, 
I'm a married woman. So what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but lose a soul? And so mm-hmm. it's a daily, a daily thing to pursue quiet, to find quiet, which is the translation for peace, which the Bible talks about a lot. So mm. just try to stay, try to stay prayed up on that. <laughs> so finding quiet means pursuing peace. It's like finding your center and finding your peace. Is that how you would translate it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I'm very analytical. So sometimes I, I, I choose to embrace it in the very literal sense of, I need to learn how to sit in literal quiet and not consume my day with 8,000 YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it's like you were saying, pursuing peace and saying, Lord, how can I embrace contentment and embrace this season, embrace where you have me and not so much giggle about a quarantine, but Lord, how can I use this quarantine for your glory? Um, Use this quiet time, Mm -hmm. this, less than what I would consider less than how can I use this time and this season for your glory? Mm. That's huge. Okay. I want to go back to what you were talking about with anxiety. And, um, so I speak a lot about sexuality and where the gospel intersects sexuality. And I've been in, uh, many, Mm, I'll say some, some situations where I will talk about how, you know, I'm married to a dude now. I still experience attraction to the same sex. And then I will have pastors in particular come to me and they'll be like, Lori, you, um, why hasn't God healed you of that? Why isn't that Mm. gone? And to be honest, guys, a real one that I'll shoot right back at them in grace and love and gentleness is, do you have a group for dudes at your church who struggle with heterosexual pornography addiction or lust? And they'll say, yes, of course we do. And then I'll say, why does my issues with lust have to be gone, but theirs do not? So for me, I see like everyone has sexual brokenness and we all have to uh, daily surrender it to the Lordship of Christ. It's not something that it's not a sign of God's presence and goodness if it's gone or healed. What it helps God can't heal sin. Okay. I'm thinking likewise, and I've had, you know, issues, bouts with anxiety. I can still have it. Um, We're releasing a book next week. I I understand that world. Um, So, but in your world, how do you balance that? You should be healed from Tourette's. You should be healed from anxiety stuff versus like, I don't like, how do you balance that with your faith? Right. What you mean? There are people out there that think I should be healed. Yeah. (laughs) Shock. I know this is the first one to deliver that. I'm sorry. Right. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I don't know what to say. No. Oh my gosh. We talk about this all the time. I actually just, uh, I feel like that sentence that just came out of my mouth wasn't fully English. I was just like, I don't know. Yeah, I was with I was with my family last night. The I was with my sister and her husband and me and my husband. Um, and we were literally, I can't remember why we got on that topic. I think it's just because like every other day we get a DM or something on Instagram. That's like, I can't believe Jamie Grace talked about having anxiety on the internet and loving Jesus. <laughs> um, and so some kind of way it came up in conversation last night. And, you know, it, people ask me a lot of times, like, how do I deal with, how do I at least 
at the, at the core of it, how do I deal with that stuff? Right. And so I will, I will one say, as I mentioned community before the, one of the best ways I deal with it is being with my family and just getting it out, you know, mm-hmm. like just being transparent about this hurt me, this bothered me, this annoyed me, this didn't make any sense. And then if I need to be called out and convicted, trust me, one of them's going to do it. But at least letting, like, giving me that safe space to feel what I need to feel, express how I need to express myself so that I don't just bottle it inside. So that's one thing, because even if this is not where I intended to go, I'm hoping this is the Holy Spirit. Good, this is not it. Go, just go. me going off mm. the rail. But even if I have it all wrong, even if I have it all wrong, The Bible speaks so much to grace leading truth. Mm -hmm. And it is so rare that people come to me saying that I need to be healed and they approach me with grace before truth. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is, that is damaging. That is so damaging. I, my, my, I'm continually appalled by how people actually think that I am going to magically change my ways and thoughts and opinions and convictions and moral standpoints by them screaming at me that my faith is too small to still have struggles or adversity in my life. Mm. Um, Mm-hmm. So that that's one thing that I'm just always appalled by. I was I was I was 14 years old the first time keyword first. I was 14 years old the first time that I was prayed over without my permission by multiple male leaders in a church. Mm-hmm. You know, women present and they laid hands on my back and my shoulders and my head and prayed for my healing. Yapes. The, the level of distasteful yeah, 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 <laughs> that, yeah. that is, mm. even again, even if I'm completely in the wrong, there is no place where that is healthy. Yeah, And so that's one thing that I just want to say to to believers out there, like, we got to like, watch how we're speaking about this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and I also just want to give brief credit to my parents that they did not know that that happened at the time. Right. And when they found out, years later they i'm glad that we lived out of state um so there's that but um (laughs) the you know the way that i approach it to be honest is i i look at what god has done in my life and i look at the way that he has used my story of being this kid that like ticks all the time and gets super distracted and i mean obviously you and I are talking on video, so you notice that I seldom make eye contact because it's the only way that I can stay on topic. You're um, like again. this, like super quirky, odd human being. I look at how God has used this story mm. to bless moms who are in the hospital with their children yes. that are feeling inadequate and insecure because of their own sickness and their own issues. And I look at this and I say, how can I say that this is not the work of God? Mm-hmm. Like, like how, who am I? Like, I believe that my God is a healer. I believe it because one, the word of God tells me that it, and then two, because I've seen it happen. You know, I like to tell people like, look, my parents are missionary pastors. They didn't make no kind of money. They both had additional jobs and somehow managed to homeschool us. And I watched them like be the hands and feet of Jesus in a small town in Georgia that 
that most people would have given up on. Mm. So I've seen God heal. I know what he can do. And yes, I have had more than enough days of anger at God and frustration that I was not in that lineup of healing, if you will. <laughs> but but who am I to say that God using my testimony is not my healing? Right. You know, we 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 as a culture, we put so much, we we have so much obsession with physical healing. And to the point where when people are emotionally healed, we don't acknowledge that because they're not physically healed. You know, I, I remember, and this, this is something that I want to preface by saying that I'm not fully um, prepared to speak on, but I also have, I'm, I'm in the middle of literally learning about it like this week. Yeah. But um, I've always loved, like loved, loved those videos where someone who is hard of hearing or a part of the deaf community um, where they get hearing aids and they're mm. able to hear for the first time. Like they've always made me cry. Oh yeah. And then I remember once I read a blog from a woman who um, is, she is not, she is not a hearing woman and she does not, um, she doesn't like those videos because they made her feel as though like the joy couldn't come in her life until she could hear. Mm. And I was like blown away because I had never heard that perspective. And I, I kind of had to check myself like, whoa, am I watching these videos because I think this story is beautiful or am I watching these videos because I think that their physical healing is the catalyst of their joy. Mm. Um, and again, that's a personal thing that I'm going through and right, learning right, right. and processing. I'm not putting that on everybody else, but, um, but yeah, that, that's how I feel about it is like, I believe that God is a healer and he continues to heal us every single day. Mm -hmm. Like you were saying, there are things that we have to give to him every single day. Yep. But that doesn't always mean like physical, complete health or health like the person next door has health. Mm -hmm. It's like my physical body might be kind of jacked up like a lot of the times. But I know that my spirit is in a place where God has used it to bless so many people. Yeah. So who am I to say that this isn't God's plan for me? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure like, thank you. Beautiful. Yes. And like, I can relate at different levels and I'm sure every single person can relate at different levels. Cause it's true. God created Eden. His desire is holistic, perfect perfection. But then the fall has jacked with all of us. Right. But it's <laughs> right. not our, it, yes, you can believe in faith, but we have to hold our hands open and say, not my will, but yours. Mm -hmm. And, and Paul himself, you know, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. Why not 3 billion trillion gazillion? Like, right. Was f Paul's faith too small? He said, no, my grace mm -hmm. is sufficient for you. My power right. is best in weakness. So I boast all the more gladly. So you, Jamie, and a friend I'm thinking of right now walking through insane chronic pain. And me, mm -hmm. I mean, I've had people try and pray gay demons out of me. It's a, It makes me feel sick. Like, mm -hmm. I've, I, and so 
because I'm like, I didn't, I didn't give you permission to do that. But um, also, right. how, who are you to and say? And also, like, <laughs> why would you, why would you tell somebody they have a demon in them? That's like, the, like, what? Like, that is the meanest thing ever. Like, I can't even watch scary movies. I can't even watch yeah, yeah. commercials for scary movies. Like, oh, you have a demon. Also, I'm going to name what kind of demon. That sucks. <laughs> I want to go fight them for you, Lori. Thank you. Thank you. I received that <laughs> deep in my soul. It's just, we cannot, we can pray in faith, but we don't get to force our what we our agenda on someone else's life god's mm-hmm. grace is sufficient for us so that beautiful okay i need to circle back to social media because i feel like this destroys people and mm. it makes them really anxious and so jamie yeah. you in your world you have to post stuff okay so that's like your life yes. but how yes. do you keep it from becoming like owning you and like where you don't make it, oh, I got X likes and I'm X okay. I got this many, then I'm that bad. Like, how do you, do you fast from it? Do you, how do you keep it from really defining who you are? Because everyone, no matter their platform, whatever that stupid word means, we all have to deal with that. Right. Um, Seriously, I think I'm gonna start like hanging out with my sister every night before I have interviews because we just talked about this last night too. (laughs) There you go. Um, Like (laughs) seriously, like, oh my gosh. You know, I think my relationship with her has been so helpful too. Like um, my sister is my, she's my claim to fame. She's the poet Morgan Harper Nichols. Yes. She's so much cooler than I am. I fully (laughs) embrace that. Like she is like, she's, she did this artwork that's on the wall behind me. Love it. Um, Except she did the one that's like really uh, dignified and says create. I made the one that says Jesus family tacos. Well done. Uh, So, and not duh, because I know that from you. I'm just like, duh to yes, Jesus family tacos. Right. No, no, no. I like insight, insight to who we are. She's creative. I eat all day. Um, so <laughs> basically, I'm so grateful. Like, man, I try to I try to make sure that I always acknowledge the the amount of privilege that I was raised with because my my parents, like, obviously they're not perfect, but they did there's just a lot of things that they did very well. And I I have to try to like backtrack sometimes mentally because it's kind of just ingrained in me. And I have to like, kind of remind myself that that is privilege, even though like, I'm like, we grew up broke. Like, (laughs) but like that, like that is my privilege. But like my mom was always, okay. If I drew a picture, like when I was like 10 and I'd be like, Hey mom, can we put this on the fridge? my mom would look at me and she would eat like if it didn't go in the fridge she wouldn't say like oh we don't have space she would literally say either you can do better than that or i don't think you should be drawing right now i don't think you're that great at it but you know what you are great at singing so like that's just like that's how she was so i grew up knowing that like everything i did wasn't gonna be that cute And I'm really glad that I grew up with that perspective. I also grew up with like, like I was really different and quirky in that I was this, you know, black girl from the South that like loved being a black girl, but also loved playing guitar and listening to Johnny Cash. Mm. But I was never praised and celebrated as, Ooh, you're so different and unique. Why? Because my sister was also this super odd black girl that loved being black, but also loved Johnny Cash. And so (laughs) I like I acknowledge that for the purpose of now that we're adults, one question that we get all the time, it's like five years ago, I was number one on Christian radio going on tour all the time. And my sister had a regular job and was working on an album. Now 
I have a pretty good Instagram following. My sister's at almost 2 million. She's been in Forbes and collaborates with Vogue. Like she's <laughs> way more famous than me at this point. And we get questions all the time. Like, oh, how do you deal with that? Because this sister's more famous and stuff. So I say all that to say, we were raised with this concept of you do what you do for the glory of God. Mm. And you don't try to compare yourself to your sister because she's going to be better than you at some things. And you're going to be better than her at some things, but that's not for you to hold over her head. That's for you to bring her up when you see her talent and she will always do the same for you. Mm. Um, so that is the, like the perspective that I was raised with. And so when it comes to social media, like I, I do have that issue sometimes, like if I post something and it doesn't get a ton of likes, but there's like the part in the back of my head that's like, well, maybe those likes needed to go to someone else today. And it's like this really annoying, like Enneagram six optimist <laughs> kind of, or sorry, I'm totally an Enneagram seven. I don't know where you're I got a that seven. From. I was like, wait, you're a six. Yeah. Let's talk. Six. I don't know where you're that, seven. I don't okay. know why I said the number six. I'm that's definitely fine. a seven. It's very <laughs> obvious. Um, so that's kind of like where that, oh, cause I was saying optimist and yes. optimist rhymes with six. That There you go. Um, so that's where, um, that's a little bit of where that came, comes from, but mm. also, I will say too, like, and this is not like a knock at single people at all. Cause when I was single for a hundred years, I used to really dislike married people cause they really got on my nerves. But mm. I will say that, um, being married has helped a lot as well for the purpose of having another human in my physical presence, like mm -hmm. on the daily. Um, so that can be a roommate that can be your mom and dad, but you know, when I was single, it was really easy for me to get down on myself because like, I was just constantly like alone. And I was constantly just like, like I would walk, I would walk around the house like out loud and be like, oh my gosh, like that was the dumbest video you've ever made. <laughs> like, oh, you yeah. know, just like yep. beat myself up sometimes, yep. Yep. but having someone in the house regularly to kind of like bounce stuff off of, bounce ideas off of and hear that encouragement back. So again, that could be like a roommate or something too, but mm -hmm. that was another reason with the whole finding quiet thing, because in my singlehood, like if it was like literally quiet in the house, I would start to, you know, like self-deprecate and like not really be a fan of myself. And so yeah. I had to try to learn how to not feel that literal quiet time with self-deprecating responses. Totally. <laughs> Well, and that like you're you're right. And I can still, you know, with the marriage thing, I know I said something that I was frustrated about about an hour and a half ago. And Matt was like, well, <laughs> he didn't even encourage me. He's like, he's like, you know what I think about that. But with you saying that, I'm grateful for Matt. I'm just saying married people, we can ignore our spouses. But then single people, yeah. that just makes oh, yeah. me want to reach out more to single people God has put in my life to be like, oh, yeah, that would be really easy to go down the spiral um, and especially if you feel like you're too much, you know, like, Oh, right. I don't want to bother my friends. I don't, whatever. Okay. Oh, yeah. So what if someone is listening right now and they're like, okay, finding quiet peace, whatever. It just feels like this ethereal blah, blah, blah. Like how can they, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about? How can they, and they can't maybe hear from God or center on God. Like what's maybe a good first baby step toward, centering, finding peace, and um, just getting to that quiet place. Right. Well, I will say as an, as an encouragement, I've been feeling like that the last couple of weeks because oh. now that I'm doing interviews about this book, like maybe I'm just a weirdo, but 
now that I'm like talking about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, does this make sense? Like, <laughs> I, feel, I feel you. Let's have a like, separate when podcast. You're, like when you're writing a book, you're like, yeah, I'm going to inspire people. And then you like, then it's out there. And then people start asking you questions and I'm like, oh, I don't even remember what's in there. Like, oh no. Like, is this, is this biblical? Like, uh, anyways, like, like yeah. I like ran it through like three different pastors and now I'm like, were they awake when they read it? Um, so yeah, I mean, the first thing I would say is it's going to sound like this is going to sound even more like weird and trippy, but just, you know, just try it, please. Just at least try it so you can see how dumb it is and then just tweet me. But <laughs> try some actual, literal 30 seconds of quiet time, um, either when you wake up in the morning, right before you go to bed. Um, you know, if you don't have like kids or pets that are all up in your business, try it like right when you're about to leave the bathroom, like after you do your business, set a timer for 30 seconds um, and just embrace that quiet. It's so easy to be intimidated by quiet. It's so easy to be an uncomfortable by quiet time. Um, I was, my husband and I were sitting in the living room yesterday and it was quiet and he was on his phone and I was on my phone and I was convinced we were in a fight. And so I was like, oh no, like, here we go. Two and a half years, like we did a good job, it's over. <laughs> good and I was like, hey babe, are you okay? And he was like, yeah, why? I was like, you're really quiet. Like, are you okay? And he was like, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out. Cause now that like, you know, Tom Brady and Gronk are both at the Buccaneers. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I don't like, I, like okay. <laughs> and that happens. I mean, that happens with my platonic friendships that happens with my parents. I just, you know, I'm one of those people that I want a YouTube video while I'm brushing my teeth. I'm always feeling the sound. I'm, I want a podcast when I'm driving down the street. I always want some kind of sound because when I sit in 30 seconds of quiet, I start overthinking everything I did that day and the day before. I start getting insecure about friendships. I start getting insecure about the fact that I haven't texted people back in days. Um, I start feeling inadequate about my job. I, I have a lot of anxiety and I have a lot of insecurities. And so when I sit in the quiet, I can start to spiral. But I've learned by setting a timer for 30 seconds. And then when that feels too easy, bump it up to 60. When that feels too easy, two, three, four, five minutes, make it feel like a sacrifice um, and make it a sacrifice so that we can learn to sit with the things that hurt, the things that make us feel, the things that make us squirm a little bit, so we can embrace those feelings, take it to God in prayer, Take it to a journal with a pen and paper. Take it to a song with your piano, whatever that means. But just embrace that quiet, feel what you need to feel, be honest about what you feel, and then see how God can move with that honesty, with those feelings, and with that quiet time. Mm. It sounds weird, I know, but. Mm. It's no, it's, I mean, we're, people listen to this podcast, they, they all about it. Um, I love it. And I know like if you guys are interested in an app, this is not your app. First of all, go get the book. Find quiet. Thank you. Thank you. My journey to peace in an anxious world. But then too, like if you guys want that, uh, we've talked about the pause app many times. This is, that's actually John Eldridge's and it's, he does like a minute three minutes, five and 10. And yes. it's the it's one of the main breath prayers that you do is I give everyone and everything to you, God. And that mm. I will just take that line and just breathe it out. And like, it just helps that, um, what does he call it? The detachment, the like, 
benevolent detachment. And so it's just like, God, I give it to you because we can't control it. We can't even, we can't make ourselves perfect. We can't make our videos perfect. We can't make this podcast episode perfect, but we can do our best and leave it to Jesus and say, God, this is yours. This is your world. And I'm your girl. Uh, We Mm. give everything and everyone and everything to you. Um, Jamie, your gift to the world. So thank you for being on this podcast with us today. Thank you for writing so vulnerably. Thank you for getting real with us and just processing with us in real time. And I'm so glad you had conversation with your sister yesterday that you could just bring today. (laughs) That must've been the low one. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Uh, well guys, again, go find finding quiet and, um, really give, give her a follow. She's a sweet, uh, and encouraging one. Thank you so much. Okay, guys, for us here, I have a question of the week for next week. This one came to me because (laughs) maybe it's real life. What did you hoard during the shelter in place part of the pandemic that you still have left over? I want to hear it. We still got some rice and beans and I don't, maybe that's it at this point. Uh, But I would like to hear what you guys hoarded okay find me on the instagram facebook twitter again i'm mostly on the instagram and facebook thank you again to jamie grace for being a part of our episode go find her book and for all of us here at the hold my heart podcast we will see you next week